Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Celtic State of Mind, Colin Watt joined me at 28 minutes past uh, followed by Amy at 29 I was going to do the old Ian Brown solo thing for an hour but we thought better of that, the band are back welcome back Amy Canavan, how are you? Oh bands are extremely important aren't they? I think Mm -hmm. that's been shown even more so in the last 24 hours, 48 hours or so so yeah, no flying solo today thankfully, thankfully I love Ian Brown by the way I do to be I fair, Paul, I think you'd have probably carried it better than he did last night. So I think anyone pretty. You've clearly never heard me singing, Colin. <laughs> um, I did have for about 18 months, remember my Ian Brown mug? Yep. Yeah. Remember? But I gave it away, gave it away, because uh, we ten lost minutes. the 10 
and I thought it was something to do with the mug, so I gave it away. I'm very superstitious that way. Um, we have loads to talk about. Uh, the international football isn't away yet. I know that Colin and Amy are big fans of the international game. How's the last uh, couple of weeks with Celtic been for you, first of all, Colin? It's, um, it's frustrating because I want to see what the response is to that result at um, the Smyza Stadium. Um, I want to see how Celtic bounce back really quickly. Um, but I have enjoyed the performances on the international uh, level. I was able to get along to the game on Saturday night and it was um, it was a great atmosphere at Hamden. Uh, and do you know what? I think it helps when Scotland actually put out a decent team and they're actually doing well because you can start to get involved. When it was back in the days when you were getting beat off the likes of the Faroe Islands and stuff like that, I think it's, it's very easy as a youngster just to turn your attention away from the national scene. But um, I've got to, got to say, Steve Clark's done a, a fairly decent job since he's he's taken over. And I'm looking forward to Tuesday night to see how hopefully Scotland don't end up in another glorious failure moment. Well, I will come back to you on that, Colin. We were going to be talking about Celtic. And there's always a way to link in international football due to the players that uh, represent their countries. Uh, Amy, you're a fan yourself. You cover it as part of your career. And um, I think what Colin says is right. We've got we do have a decent crop. There's there's a lot of talent in uh, Stevie Clark's squad. I, I'm not, I, you know I think Stevie Clark is very good at what he does. I know that he has been linked. He's even been interviewed for the Celtic job on one occasion. I don't think that um, the brand of football would have really suited Celtic fans to be honest. But what he's done with Scotland has been pretty. Remarkable, I think, after such a period of time. You can't take that for granted. Such a period of time with no success. A whole generation of people like yourself and Colin never having seen a successful Scotland side. Yet he does have a very good crop of players. There's a few in there. I was looking at the international cap totals, Amy. There's a few that potentially will get up to the you know 75 cap, maybe even 100 cap mark. Uh, and quite a few of them heading towards 50 caps. He's got a really good nucleus of a side there. Yeah, it's um, it is a great time actually to be a, a Scotland fan. I was there on on Saturday too, and I thought it was a great atmosphere, uh, thoroughly enjoyable. Not as dominant a performance as it was against Ukraine in midweek, um, but you're never going to get two back to back performances like that. I am um, Steve Clutch. He's just such an interest. He's so pragmatic, obviously, um, but just when you think the knives are potentially going to come out again, he just turn, turns up trumps and pulls off a, a performance and uh, puts out a team as he did last week against Ukraine. You know, I think if that went wrong, it really could have been a, a hell of a different conversation this week. Um, but it is a good crop of players and he's using them well. You know, I don't know how many times, like I think Scotland's probably got seven or eight defenders out right now and you wouldn't hit panic stations. Mm-hmm. You know, And I don't think we're hitting a panic station right now. Like there's obviously doubts going into tomorrow. It's not the, the back line that you would want. Um, that's obvious if you've got seven, eight players out, but there's not like a total and utter panic. We're not all, you know, scared right now. It's there's still so much confidence in the players he has. He's bringing the best out of players. It takes time sometimes to play them in the right position. Um, you know, like your Scott McTominay's, you're finally seeing the best of him in, in midfield. Um, but it's. A, a good time. It's not a great time, but it's a good time. They're certainly on the on the right track. I tell yeah. you, uh, Paul, it's interesting when you look at the players that are in that squad and how many of them have been at Celtic, have um, been linked with Celtic, have come across as targets for Celtic before. I remember 
Um, we were linked with a move for Scott McTominay just as he broke into the, the Manchester United team. Um, yeah. And then you look at the, the sort of back four or the back five, you're looking at Kieran Tierney, Aaron Hickey, who was obviously at Celtic, Jack Hendry. Um, how many times were we linked with a move for Scott McKenna, Craig Gordon, John McGinn, obviously the, the sort of oh, famous God. one. Uh, Ryan Christie. Colin, didn't Stuart bring that Arm- name up again. Ryan Christie, there needs to be Stuart a John McGinn Claxon. I know, I know. But even like Ryan Christie, Stuart Armstrong, I think we were linked to a move for Ryan Fraser at one point as well when he was leaving Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. It, it just shows you that when you look at what we were talking about last week and the players coming through and that sort of lost generation, there is a talent pool that Celtic is producing, whether it be current players that are there just now, the likes of Greg Taylor um, and um, Callum McGregor in the midfield, or players that have been at Celtic before. I was trying to think, when you look back at after Aaron Hickey went off mm. and you were looking at the back four with Greg Taylor, Anthony Ralston, um, Jack Hendry, Craig Gordon, is that potentially one of the back lines we could have seen under Brendan Rodgers and probably said, that's a really poor team we've put out today? <laughs> well, I, I, I almost picked you up for mentioning Ryan Christie because we could have had a compilation, Colin, of your comments about the bold Ryan Christie, I t- particularly I, his shooting prowess. I, t- I tell you what, so I was I was standing um, on Saturday night just as Scotland got that penalty and the boy in front of me, he was a nice enough guy, I was talking away to him, it was a jambo. Um, and as soon as it worked out that Ryan Christie was taking that penalty, the two of us had our heads in our hands going, please, God, no. Um, he'd obviously seen Ryan Christie um, missing penalties, as as had I, um, and we were kind of hoping John McGinn would have took it, but no. Um, he took it very well. I think Bazinu diving early kind of helped him out, but um, yeah, looking at that squad, the amount of sort of Celtic influence that's in there mm, is, is really impressive. Um, oh, you're right. And it just shows you that although Lennox Town gets pandered sometimes for players kind of moving away early or not getting that breakthrough, we are developing for the national scene as well. We're, we're always developing players. This is a, a conversation we've had, Colin, and I think uh, this will lead into another topic of conversation because you ask yourself, you've mentioned a couple of names there, would it have been different had uh, Ange Postacoglu been in the door earlier? I, I actually think yes. When you look at players like Aaron Hickey coming out just over the last week or so saying he knew he would get more opportunities by signing for Hearts as a youngster than staying at his boyhood team Celtic and the rest, as they say, is history. But um, we then talk about what Darren O'Day's been saying during the week around the way that Ange Postacoglu involves himself almost as a director of football um, when looking at the A team and the B team and whether... You know, these players would have slipped through the net. That's a conversation that we definitely will have. But Ryan Christie, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Amy, he's a guy I would have loved to have seen him under Ange Postacoglu for longer than we did. I think he would have been really well suited to this system. Yeah, I think that's a a very fair statement. And it's one of those what ifs. Um, I think if there's any player probably who left just before Ange, that's the one that sticks out. You go, he really could have been something under him. You know, the fluidity that he's allowed, the, the creativity um, just not having to be set in stone to a, a single position. I thought he was outstanding um, for, for Scotland on, on Saturday as well. I um, thought he was one of the, the better players. because, um, Like I said, it wasn't a, a completely dominant performance. There was a lot of um, 
mediocre showing, to put it that way. Um, but I thought I thought Christie was a standout. And you just see him pick up positions. The link-up, obviously, is going to still be there with, with Greg Taylor and, and Callum McGregor. But just gets himself into positions. And you can just think, just slightly playing behind the striker, whoever it may be, just that, like I say, fluidity along that free. Um, I think he would be instrumental to that. But if buts and maybes, and, you know, then maybe we wouldn't have seen the best out of Abada, Jota, O'Reilly, whoever it may mm-hmm. be. Um, you know, it's you, you win some, you lose some. It's yeah. like, you, you know, there's going to be pros and cons on either. Absolutely. Anybody in the crowd going to see Ian Brown tonight in Glasgow or in Edinburgh tomorrow? Uh, I'd just like to qualify what I said at the top of the show. I love Ian Brown. Uh, the Stone Roses are by far the greatest band ever in terms of uh, my uh, musical upbringing. And I think it was a bold move to stand there and sing his tunes to a backing track. And also, the support band, Dermo, I can tell you with some certainty that big Stephen Ness, who plays guitar for Dermo, is of a Celtic state of mind. Nice big Celtic tattoo on his forearm. And I know that because obviously he played in the session that we did a few weeks back, which is on the channel. Um, However, talking at live events, Colin, I know you went to see Kevin Bridges the other week. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right? I managed to get to to see him on Saturday night uh, with a good lady. And whilst I was kicking about, I was uh, spoken to by a few people who tune into the show. So a big shout out to everybody who came up to talk about Celtic and Axon. It's always appreciated. It's interesting how you never get any of the halfwits, do you, Colin? It's always the nice guys that come up and speak to you. Um, so a big shout out to John, who is nursing a sore leg. Hopefully you get back to work soon, John. Uh, it was good to catch up with you, mate. Amy, did you get a chance to see Kevin this time round? I didn't, no. Um, I've been in Glasgow a lot when it's... Um during this three, four week seems like six months stint, honestly just every time you leave the building around seven o'clock through at Pacific Key, there's just hordes of people, it's hellish to get out of Glasgow right now, but um, no from what I've heard it was uh, well, knocked out of the park every single time and wouldn't expect anything else I have to ask Paul, was there a fight when you were there? No fights, he spoke no. about the fights, he did speak about, yes You're about 50-50 depending on which night you go to, whether there's a fight or not, it's unbelievable is it just too much bevy or it must know. be I don't know I mean no I, I, there was no fights just plenty of laughs um, I've started off with this this tagline just a you know a story I was reading this morning you will have seen it I'm sure that uh, there has been a list printed of the top 100 uh, best supported football teams or most supported football teams uh, in the world and Celtic are sitting number 13 on that list. Very impressive when you read the names that are above us. And it's a conversation, Colin, I think it's crept in a few times on a Celtic state of mind around uh, increasing the capacity of the stadium. Uh, some people in the comments may have already said this. I've not seen the comments yet coming in. They might say, well, you know, it wasn't that long ago we were covering the top tier with big banners. Um, but I think over the piece, if you were to look at the average attendance at Celtic Park, Colin, since the redevelopment of Celtic Park, it will be around that mark. I think we were shown as being 53,000, was it, average attendance, or was it 58,000? 58,000 from last season, yeah. Which is astonishing. And I don't think it would be much lower than that if you were to look at it since we came back and the full stadium was built. Is it time to start looking again at that main stand, do you think? Bring it right up to the same level as the rest of the stadium? Um... Do you know that there's always that debate, and it's been going on, as you say, for a number of years about the, the increased capacity. And 
I know when you when we've it's been brought up at like the fans forums and stuff like that has always been the cost of um the cost of the development to do so because the, the, the sort of main area that can be done is the main stand as it is to where it's kind of got that protected status um i'm not sure it's a fully listed building but i do think it's got some sort of protected status over it so it would take a lot of work to sort of get around that um looking at it when you see people that's done the sort of artist's impression of what it would look like it does look like a really impressive stadium um would we have any trouble filling it out against teams like Real, <coughs> Real Madrid, Leipzig, Rangers, anyone like that? I doubt it. And there's plenty of people who say, um, I look, there's there's so many people still wait on the waiting list to get in and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but I, I'm not 100% certain that it's a priority for Celtic just now. I mean, the, you look at some of the stuff that you've... Um, kind of had on the go for a while now, like the redevelopment of Barrafields, the the idea of the museum and the, the sort of hotel and stuff like that. Now, these have been put back years from when they were supposed to have been actually... Well, like, that's the thing. Started. I was talking last night, Colin, that the hotel chat uh, probably started when I started writing my, my latest book. And I've actually finished my book before they managed to build the museum, which I'm amazed at because that's taken me seven years. So um, priorities indeed. Um, I'm just having a, a wee look at the comments just now to see what your thoughts are on it. And some people are saying what I thought you would um, in relation to the priorities that Colin was talking about, Colin. Um, I remember talking to somebody up at the club and they were going on about the museum and how great it would be. But if you build a museum and let's say, I don't know what the cost is, say it costs you three million quid, right? And um, you have an injury crisis and you need, you need a new centre half. I'm pretty sure the Celtic support, me included, would be crying out for that three million pound to be put elsewhere. Um, but think back to Fergus McCann, Amy. Think back to him saying, basically, build it and they will come. We built a, a 60,000 all-seater stadium when our average attendance was nowhere near 58,000. Mm. Um, yet, all these years later, and we are in the top 20 most supported clubs on the globe. Is it a case of putting that extra tier on the main stand? I think someone worked out that it would take 17 years to pay for itself. The actual main stand, the actual cost of development, it would take 17 years if you were to sell those tickets for that period of time to pay for itself. And the club's obviously looking at that. Um, what do you reckon, Amy, is it about time we did that? What would the capacity be if we were to increase that? Would that take it 75, maybe? 75, Probably 000? something around that, yeah. I just I agree with Colin um, that, yeah, there's going to be that argument that there are numerous on the waiting list um, that, you know, in the big games, certainly I've got no shadow of a doubt that it would sell out, but like Colin, I just think there are more pressing matters at hand right now um, and have been at hand probably for the best part of 10, 15 years and still not completely saw through. I think it's just take one thing at a time, um, get the, the training facilities and, and Barfield back up to, to where it should be. It's taken far too long anyway. Um you know, as you say as well, it only takes for it's a defender crisis, something like that, um, and you need money. I think there are better ways to be 
or where better areas rather where the money should be, be getting placed right now. And you know, it's going to be an argument that it'll go on forever. You know, you'll go up to 75 and then 10 years down the line, someone will go, right, mate, you've got to 90 or something. It's just one of these continual conversations. I think every top football team has it. Um, certainly, you know, even when there's absolutely no need for it, it's just one of those conversations that can always start a debate. Um, and that I'll always be relevant somehow because somebody will manage, you know, they'll pull out one of these lists and then it becomes almost relevant again. I think, Paul, if it wasn't for the fact that COVID came about mm. and made those sort of two years of lost revenue, then perhaps things like Barrafield and the, the museum and that would um, be more feasible or we'd actually see a bit of progress done on it. Um, but there's also the fact that if we have one poor season, where we don't qualify for Europe, then the lost revenue that comes into that is very hard to replace. You'd be talking about having to sell some of our biggest players to try and break even. When you well, look at the financial accounts that came yeah. out the other day, mm-hmm. yeah, it is things like player sales that keep us in the red when we're not um, necessarily progressing in Europe. Obviously, things will be different next year when you get the likes of the Champions League money coming into it. Um, and hopefully, by winning the league again this year, You'll not have to worry about that for a couple of years. But if you had that on a consistent basis, then perhaps you'd be able to put that money aside that is required to develop things like Barrafield and to build the hotel and the stadium. And we would see progress on that. But the kind of lack of progress in Europe, because that is where we can make our biggest bit of profit, is probably the reason why these things are behind, alongside the likes of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, You're right. So it's either you invest in the squad and you keep the squad together, like we've talked about, or you say, right, okay, we'll do what teams like Arsenal and Man United and Spurs done, and we'll just say, right, we're investing in our infrastructure, we're not really investing in our team, and then you might have a couple of years without the success, and then you're saying, right, where are we actually at then? Because when we had that couple of years where there was no competition in Scotland, you, you mentioned the banners earlier on, so it's a sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't, without having the money behind you to do so. You know what? I think we should do both. I think we should be able to invest in the team and invest in the infrastructure and in the stadium as well. And I absolutely get what you mean with regards to the financials that have just come out, Colin. And it would seem that um, Champions League qualification equals no player sales. Because we spoke about it at the beginning of this season that for the first time in five years, Amy and I were bold one Monday. You'll remember it, Amy. And we're saying no one's leaving Celtic. And we were right, by the way. Amy, we have not been back on to sit there all smug and say, you know, Fabrizio who? Um, is that his name? Aye, so you were right. Although he has been nominated, by the way, for one of these football content awards down in Manchester. I'm pretty sure he won't be coming over fairly. But in saying that, we were at a table last year with um, people from Russia who came over. And uh, we actually beat them to the award, which was interesting, seeing how they had travelled all the way over uh, just to get an award. However, we will be down there um, next month, no, the month after next, in November, if you want to vote for a Celtic State of Mind in the Best Video Creator category, the link is underneath this video. So please do. As I say, it's great to get the support. It's great to bump into people randomly who say, oh, I love Axon, that's tremendous. Um, And... 
I, I mean that sincerely because obviously everybody that's involved with the Celtic State of Mind um, has at some point or other come in for some kind of online flack or abuse calling and it's great to actually get the positivity um, and the positive element because these uh, negative ones never ever come anywhere near you in real life, do they? They never come anywhere near you. It's so, hmm? It is funny. funny. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Gary Melrose, definitely, I'd love to see standing room significantly expanded too. Um, do you think that's something the club would consider? Um, expanding it? Because we're, aye, because there's going to be two sections. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's one of these things, I think, if uh, you increase the capacity, then it's giving you scope for that percentage, obviously, to increase as well. Ridiculizer. Um, you're back in on YouTube, welcome back is the main stand not a listed building which would impede increased capacity to a certain degree um, I do remember when the fascia got an uplift back mm-hmm. in the centenary season and um, I remember the, looking at the plans and the fact that it was built out in the wall that uh, was previously the the entrance to the stadium remained where it was and it was uh, basically built around that wall and there were some issues with regards to um, the fact that um, it was difficult to do anything with the changing rooms to bring it up to the the category required for it to hold big events like the Champions League final etc because of some issues but I'm not so sure like Colin said before if it's actually a listed building one thing I always found interesting though was the Celtic um, stained glass window that used to be above the entrance to the front door um, was thought to be lost for years and years and and then Margot McQuaig who used to work for the Celtic media team found it (laughs) and it was behind a wall behind a fake wall in the stadium and there's this beautiful stained glass and it's now obviously used um, in the stadium you see it if you go on the stadium tour Um, beautiful bit of history which in fact Amy inspired the kit the third kit last season, the white yeah. one with the pink and the green, uh, the colour yeah. scheme. Aye, that, was, one, yeah. that was a cracker. That um, didn't. I wasn't keen on it to begin with, but yeah, it definitely yeah, it did. I. It did grow in me. Um, yeah, but that was the first uh, topic of conversation. But it does lead us on, Colin, as well. I know that um, both of you watch with interest the B team. Um, Amy, you've got some really strong views on where they sit in terms of the Scottish football pyramid. But I was really interested to hear Darren O'Day's interview recently. Was it was it off the ball? It's called. It is called off the ball. The mm-hmm. Irish yeah. show. Uh, it's just um, I I remember that time they asked us to appear on it, and I was I was thinking it was a podcast, and then they dialed men and it was live. And I'm just sitting in my kitchen and the hairs <laughs> all over the camp. It normally is anyway, but it was even worse that night because I didn't realise it was on camera. And um, he's he's talking about the way Ange oversees the B team Colin and he's talking he he used the terminology like a a director of football and it mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with Cox Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet Cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. 
Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Took me back to a conversation that we had on this very show a while back, whereby, again, forward planning, succession planning. Should we be planning that for, for Ange Postacoglu anyway? All this talk about him going to Brighton and Leicester and any other big team that uh, sacks our managers about to part company with a manager and Ange Postacoglu's name is going to be touted by the press. Why don't we have a plan for him? Why, why can't we have him as a director of football um, bringing in the next manager, getting that next manager to work along the same kind of way that Ange works and then for Ange to take that wee step up? Is that something that you think is too optimistic? Has he got other ambitions? I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something very similar going on at the club just now. I mean, we, we always spoke about the fact that he came in and he didn't change who his coaching staff was. He had the players, that, he had the coaches there and he always said he wanted to work and learn from them, um, <clears throat> which probably helped in the transition period because these people knew Scottish football probably a bit more than what Ange Postacoglu did. Um, and now this summer he's brought in Harry Kiel and you can see that Harry's working very closely with Ange on the training ground and also mm-hmm. um, before the games and stuff like that. Um would I be surprised if someone like Harry Kuehl or John Kennedy or even to an extent Gavin Strachan, that's three three people who have either had management experience like Harry Kuehl or been linked with jobs down south like Gavin Strachan did and John Kennedy's been linked with the, the hips job every time it comes up every six months. Um, remember I mean, Strachan a, did manage a game for Celtic, can you remember? I do, I do. Was it not the two games he got? Did he get was, it Livingston, was it Livingston? I just remember the Hibs. I remember yeah. he was the manager for the Hibs game. I, remember I think he maybe got the Livingston game as well. Oh, I'm not 100%. Oh. I need to double check that. Undefeated. Um, yeah, done well, didn't he? Um, him and the, the iPad, what a combination. Um, but no, I, I wouldn't be surprised if people like that are being sort of moulded into the Ange style mm-hmm. so that it would help with the succession planning. But I mean, these guys must look around and look at Ange and say, I'm learning from one of the best in the game just now. And the, the fact that they're able to absorb that information, I mean, I think it's only now when you listen to um, the, the pundits from down south and you listen to the, the pundits kind of worldwide that they're saying, this guy came from under the radar and suddenly he's one of the hottest prospects in world football. Mm-hmm. And he's done that at age 50-odd. Usually if you're a, a hot prospect in the management game, you're someone who's maybe been in the game four or five years, not someone who has already taken his country to a World Cup, yeah. has already won trophies at multiple levels across the world. But it's only because he's had that exposure at Celtic that suddenly people have opened their eyes and went, actually, this guy's really good. 
Do you think, we, we've spoken before, Amy, about a, a snobbery that exists if you manage on certain continents and um, there seems to be this European snobbery where it's, you know, somebody needs to take a chance, but uh, these bigger clubs, and I say bigger in terms of um, their vast quantities of cash um, that they are able to borrow, uh, these bigger clubs or richer clubs won't take the chance. They'll, they'll wait for a club like Celtic to take the chance, if indeed it was a, a chance and a gamble, as I called it at the time. Um, and they wait until Celtic go and take the chance on, as a player, Virgil van Dijk or as a manager, Ange Postecoglou, and then they're prepared to, to throw money at them and try and, and get them into the, their own regime. What's your thoughts? Is it just a wee bit too ambitious for me to think that we could maybe find a place at the club that suits Ange Postecoglou and that would benefit us beyond his uh, tenure as the head coach? I don't think it's too ambitious. I don't know if it's too... Um, I don't know quite the feasibility of it. I think more than... Not like a slight uncertainty in any way before anyone comes jumping on, but I think he does have ambitions himself. Um, you know, He's never shied away from, from that. Hence, that came over here in the first place because he saw Europe as ambition, um, you know. And if he keeps going the way that he's going, and clubs bigger than the two that were, you know, in fact, the list of jobs not even available. Um, but the, the Brighton, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I've got a problem. Like, I don't care if it's Brendan Rodgers or not. I've got a problem with that. You know, someone's in a job, don't start touting someone else for it. Um, but that's just personally me. Um, but when the Brighton job came available, you know, they're, they're there was serious concerns amongst the fan base um, that, you know, maybe it's not, it was the, the first kind of hurdle, wasn't it? It's like, you know, it's the first test, will he go at the first jump um, and obviously surpass that one. So when bigger clubs than that come across, then, you know, it's just it's partially being a success. You know, everyone wants a bit of that. And the, the top dogs, they're not going to do the dirty work and, you know, trying to build someone up. They just want someone to come in a quick fix. And if Angelo Scoglu looks to be ready-made, which, you know, he's certainly going along that way right now, um, then then his name's always going to be chucked around. But that's a flattery as well. I think you've got to take it that way. You know, that Man United, when they're looking for their next manager in seven months then, if, if Hibs are six, we'll go Man United seven. Um, you know, they're going to be looking for are ready-made because they don't want to develop anyone, any coach, any player, any anything. Um, so, yeah, I think you've just got to take it as a compliment that big clubs have got your eye, their eyes on the team, the manager, whoever it may be, um, and yeah, you're obviously doing something right. These big clubs will not take the risk. Even see when they're sort of getting towards the relegation stages and they get rid of a manager that they've brought in who they've maybe given them six months and then they'll go... Right, we need a we need a experienced head in there, and it's all the sort of old school names that come out, um, and they they don't maybe turn to someone who could lay the foundations the way that Ange is doing here at Celtic. I mean, you take a look at that Bodo Glimp manager. What is it, Kedjo Nutson? Is that his name? The the Bodo Glimp manager. Yeah, the current the, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the current one. When you look at it, what he's done by laying the foundations there. They've went on to have great success in Europe. They've won the league back-to-back. He's been the manager of the year three or four times. And you're thinking, right, well, where has he been linked with? He got linked with a Hibs job. Someone of that out could easily step into the English Championship, the English Premiership. But there is that snobbery towards, oh, well, here's um, 
here's Alex Ray. He's now at Reading alongside Paul Lentz. We know who Paul Lentz is. We'll just give him the job, sort of thing, instead of taking the risk on these sort of managers. The old boys act. Always well being football. Well, I think, you know, Celtic were bold. And I actually felt that they were pretty bold when they appointed Ronnie Dyla for the same yeah. reason. There was a guy that obviously had been on the radar um, of the City group, as had Ange Postacoglu. But Celtic were the team that took what would be a calculated risk on someone who, again, had been successful in a, a country that perhaps we didn't rate as a, as a football nation. And that's wrong as well, because I think there was a lot that Ronnie Dyla did well when he came to Celtic. I think his legacy is still at Celtic in the likes of Callum McGregor, for example, and uh, some of the players that we've already spoken about today uh, that left the club, Kieran Tierney and, and uh, Ryan Christie and, and others that uh, developed massively under Ronnie. So I think it's good that Celtic have been bold um, in their appointment of Big Ange, but I just want to keep him. I want to keep him at Celtic, and if it's not as a manager, then move him upstairs into a director of football role. Would you say it was just the wrong time for someone like Ronnie Dyla to take over at Celtic? I think partly because, for me, when you look at it, and this is with hindsight, Colin, of course, it's a lot easier looking yeah. at it that way, but I, I just feel that he had a bigger impact on younger um more impressionable players and I think that there was that whole issue with more senior players who didn't buy into his methods and the worst example of that was uh, the away game against Mould when Chris Commons had a, a slagging match with him on his way up the tunnel having been subbed off and it was for me one of the most disrespectful moments that I can remember from a Celtic player towards the management um, I do recall on one occasion we Joe Miller coming on in the cup uh, in a cup game, he was subbed on by Billy McNeil. Then he was subbed off in the same game, Amy. This, honestly, and there's, there's footage of him coming off the park and he virtually took his jersey off and he's shouting at Billy McNeil. Um, obviously, Jinky and, and Jock Steen had their wee um, coming togethers uh, now and again. But that takes me back to a point I was going to make earlier about managers and about the fact that, you know, we believe them. We actually believe in them, we believe what they say, we really buy into them as people and not just as managers but as personalities and characters. And I'll be the first to say I bought into Brendan Rogers. Let's not rewrite history. I, I totally bought into what Brendan Rogers was selling. Um, the cracks started showing when Danny McGrain, for example, started talking about things that may not have happened. And then Alan McAnally starts telling Kevin and I that uh, Brendan's already on his way to Leicester. We didn't believe him because it was, I think it was in January that he told us that. And I've totally bought into Ange, and I don't regard the two of them, Colin, as the same type of character. But mm. rewind to the late 60s, early 70s, and Celtic are on a pre-season tour of America. Um, they had a successful pre-season tour in 66-67, which... Um, was the, the kind of pretext of the most famous season in the club's history. They went back, and when they went back, Jockstein flew home early for talks with Manchester United. Now, this is just a point of record. This happened. He went home early, leaving Sean Fallon in charge of the Celtic squad over in the States because Man United wanted him as the manager. So this um, allure, not just of the money, but the allure of these clubs down south has always existed and will always exist. I think the, the worst part of the last few weeks is the fact that some of the clubs that are being linked with Ange, you think, well, there's no way you're going to leave Celtic for them. But Rodgers did. 
Rogers did leave Celtic for Leicester, you know. So there's always that wee niggle in the back of my mind, and I'm just thinking if you've got a plan for Ange Postecoglou um, beyond, let's say, the three or four years, which seems to be the average of a Celtic manager, then maybe that's the way to keep him on board and keep him at this football club because I think he he would be good for this football club in a role like the director of football. Yeah, I think when you look at it, Paul, one of the things that really um, was the telltale sign that. Rogers was on his way. It felt as if he'd got as far as he could with the investment that Celtic were going to give him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were talking about these players that um, had maybe flew into to Scotland and then the deal didn't get done because we moved the goalposts and um, we, we changed the sort of financial tag that we were going to pay. Um, and the, the players that Rogers had identified and wanted to bring in to get Celtic to that next level and try and qualify for the last 16 of the Champions League and Celtic weren't <clears throat> going to put that investment into the club at the time mm-hmm. um, and you can see he's doing the exact same thing at Leicester just now he's speaking about this sort of lack of investment that he's getting um, and he's getting the excuses kind of, in early it's almost know? coming full circle <laughs> um, whereas with he's Ange, inherited a very now, different team to the one that he's got right now as well So, and yeah. very similar to the Celtic situation that you know the Leicester that he joined is a very different Leicester to Leicester he may believe in. Like, I totally agree with you, Colin. You're spot on. But yeah, see the thing you... as well. Sorry. You know when you th- we think back, if you're trying to be as fair as possible, right? And there's Brennan Rodgers, and he's he's got this domestic dominance. But at that time, let's not forget, we didn't really have anybody challenging us, right? Now, when you look at his first season, we won the league by a canter. Was it thirty points? It was a massive points, points gap. The following season, we won it by nine. Aberdeen were second. We won the league by nine points, right? And if, for example, you have had some investment, so you, you've been able to go out there and buy Otson or Edward for nine million quid, for example, you've been able to bring in expensive players like Scott Sinclair. Chris Julian. Yeah, well, Chris Julian came later, didn't he? He came under. Was it? I thought But the investment was there. And imagine speaking to your board of directors, Amy, right, and saying, well, I want Castagne and I want John McGinn and others have been mentioned that mm-hmm. he didn't get. And the board will be saying, but what have you done for us in Europe? Because let's be honest, he done nothing in Europe. So sure, you can think. dominate Scottish football without the level of investment that Brendan Rodgers wanted to kind of push that envelope. And for me, I don't think he had the bargaining power because he didn't have the results in Europe to fall back on. But then another token, when you look at it, what did Ange have when he came in? He was rebuilding that team from scratch. Different ELK scenario Rod- with Ange, ELK I think. Rogers was kind of taking mm. over a dialer team, which, again, didn't get the investment that it should have got. When you look back at some of the signings that Ronnie Dyla had to make to that team... Colin Kazim Richards. Now, Carlton Cole, guys like that. I mean, I'd love, I'd love big Carlton Cole to come on Axel. He was um, part of the the Legends team, wasn't he? Like oh, that's that, right. Uh, head Masters yeah. thing. Um, Masters, that's it. But when you look at it, Dyla was he was never backed. Rogers was backed to an extent, but wanted backed even further. Mm-hmm. Neil Lennon was backed almost unequivocally. I mean, there was very little that Neil Lennon wanted that he never got. I mean, you could maybe put it down to Ivan Tony, but that was a personal decision to then go for Albin Ayeti over Ivan Tony. Um, and then Ange has been backed very, very well since he came in. He's rebuilt the team. Yes, OK, we've had to sell some of the players, but that was coming to the end of the cycle. 
Mm. Now, when you look back at January, last January, you look back at this summer, and he's already speaking about investing again this January, we are backing him. And he didn't really have a lot in European football to say, yeah, we can trust you that you're going to spend this money wisely. We've took the risk on it at times, and it's paid off for us. You just wonder if we took that risk on someone like Rodgers or Dyla, what kind of position would we be in just now? I think it's all about the moment in time. And if you imagine Ange Postacoglu, where Celtic were when we started discussing the, the possibility of him coming over from Japan to manage the football club, where we had been led up the garden, down the garden path, and then at the last hurdle, tripped over uh, with the Eddie Howe deal. We needed something to happen pretty quickly. Mm. So I think that, I'm not going to say that there were demands, but I'm pretty sure he would have made it clear, Amy, in the discussions with Celtic, that, right, I'm not going to bring 17 people with me, but you are going to have to allow me to strengthen this team because it, it really needed strengthened. We all know that. So, yeah, it's a moment in time. I think I find it really interesting that we still have pivotal players that were introduced by Ronnie Dyla. It's also interesting that we're still talking about uh, Brendan Rodgers all this time later. And I think we've got a better man than all of the guys in Ange Postacoglu. I want to keep him. I want him yeah. to be the director of football. Um, we've got uh, Stefan Halley. Is that, is that the right way of pronouncing your name? Sorry if it's not. It's the original facade underpinning that's listed. That's what I thought. I thought it was something to do with that facade. Uh, good word. Thank you for that. And Keith Ogden, who has supported Axon for a long time. Keith, uh, afternoon all from Plymouth. Hopefully you're enjoying some decent weather down there as well. Gary Melrose. Is it just me or does the Motherwell game still feel like an age away? It does. I think once we get tomorrow night out of the way, Amy, we can start fully concentrating on the Motherwell game. Uh, we really won't know what we've got to play with until after the international games are finished as well. Very difficult for Ange to plan for that. Are you expecting us to get uh, basically back into the saddle and uh, back to winning ways this weekend? It's Collins is. It's probably like the worst time to, to lose, the worst time to try and conjure up anything right now um, because it's the complete unknown it's the unknown, how will this side respond, you know it's been the best part of a year um, since they lost domestically in the league um, and yeah, now there's been two weeks to almost mull over it, analyse it to death um, you know, go through every single intricate detail although I think the resounding was it was just not a very good performance um but yeah it's don't a, blame a, the jerseys <laughs> it's <laughs> a, um oh god i managed to somehow forget that and now i'm just like i've got so eyes just thinking about it again um i it's just it's a horrible time to lose before an international break isn't it it's like it's just the worst it just drags on drags on um and then yeah you hope there will be a response but quite unknown right now and it's hard if it's only four days even a week you can go right that's an intense week but when you don't have your whole squad at your disposal certainly not your regular starting 11 um albeit we weren't the ones actually on no starting on the pitch against against St Mirren um yeah it's just a lot of absolute unknown right now yeah it is Colin and I think that uh, when you're looking at the way that you know, Celtic had gone such a, a, a lengthy time without any real hiccups in the league. It's always going to happen. Um, but, you know, we've spoken all about the selection and whether or not so many players should have been rested, etc. Um, 
But you would think that as a, as a squad, it's a challenge that we'll, uh, we can learn from. And Ange Postacoglu, it's something he can learn from as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, you can go back and say we shouldn't have made the six or seven changes that we made. Why change a winning formula, especially when you're just about to get into this international break? Um, there wasn't exactly a game in the midweek to look forward to either. You can also say that <clears throat> St Mirren did very well to take advantage of the couple of chances that they had. Um, and Celtic couldn't take theirs. And when you look back at... Um, the last sort of couple of games that Celtic's had and probably throughout the rest of this season we've probably been guilty of not taking as many chances as what we've had even when you look mm. back at beating Dundee United 9-0 that could have been 11-12-13 quite easily with some of the, the chances that we've gotten you don't want to be greedy but sometimes when you don't get as many chances and you're not taking that I am greedy mate I want oh, the right. stadium to be rebuilt and the team <laughs> to be rebuilt I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being greedy 9 nothing. I want 10 yeah, I've never seen, you know. Oh, absolutely. But what I'm saying is, you would be classed as being selfish or greedy if you said it was nine 0 but I'm still not happy walking away from that because it should have been eleven or twelve. That's the way some people would act, right? But some of the chances that we've had, they're just not falling properly. We've not taken them, and when you get to a game maybe like St Mirren where we didn't create as many chances as we or as many clear cut chances, when you're kind of snapping at the half chances that we get we're going to end up with results like that every now and again the important thing is that we keep creating the chances mm-hmm. and we keep getting in those positions and then get to the point where mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Eventually, we have another game where it clicks and it goes to maybe 9, 10, 11, 12, nothing, whatever it may be. But we've got to keep creating those chances. As I'm saying, it wasn't the, the best team performance. He probably shouldn't have tinkered with it as much as he should have. The only thing that really disappointed me was there wasn't that opportunity to almost immediately come out and say, we're sorry, we did wrong, let's go and take this into the next game and channel it to our um, to what we want to do and what we want to achieve. And um, Motherwell, they are 
they're sort of hit and miss team so far this season. They started oh, they really well. They were so unfortunate against Hearts. Like the afternoon after we played um, St Mirren, like oh, honestly, it was like they, uh, they're due. Uh, that's my worry because they, they, the international break equally came at a terrible time for Motherwell. You'd say that like with the loss, but they were so unfortunate against against Hearts. Um, you know, I guess some ended up something like twenty shots on target. Um, because they're, they're very much improved under under Stevie Hamill, but oh my god, it was just like I actually felt for them. She's like, this just is not fair. It just it'll interest me how Hamill lines up at Celtic Park because yeah. obviously Hearts anybody would have loved to have played Hearts at that point with the amount of injuries that Hearts were carrying. Obviously, missing guys like Liam Boyce, and I don't know how many defenders they're missing just now. The back of Europe um, as well, European exploits, exactly. So um, it was probably a really good time for Motherwell to come up against them. And as you said, if they'd got something, they'd have kind of kept that momentum going. But just now you're sitting looking at it going, right, Celtic have came off this defeat. They're going to be hungry to try and prove mm-hmm. everyone wrong that this that people starting to... I mean, I've seen some nonsense on social media. It's like, is Ange starting to lose the dressing room? Are they not impressing? <laughs> the, and I'm like, it's one result. People, do, like, We need to go over it and go over it fast, yeah. We've not scored in a couple of games, but you think of the teams that we've came up against in those couple of games as well, and it's it's a case of if you'd have asked me twelve months ago, could we be in this position when we lost to to Livingston? I mean, twelve months ago we were saying, are we going to finish first? Are we going to finish second? Are we even going to finish third? Now we're we're kind of saying, right, we're, we've lost that sort of five point gap that we had, but how quick can we get it back? It's, it's a case of looking forward now and being positive exactly. and looking ahead to the, the great games that we've got coming up as opposed ah. to looking back and saying is he, is he even the, the man for the job which was a discussion right about this time last year and he'll tell you that himself he, he said that when he was away down in Australia he's saying that how he was the favourite for the, the sack back in December now he's he's took the team to two trophies and potentially a lot more this season I love how Colin says down in Australia, like he's like doing doing at the shop there, just down <laughs> in Australia. Um, just what you're talking, Hearts. You've mentioned Hearts a couple of times, and and Craig Gordon. And by no means am I sitting here thinking we should have kept Craig Gordon because I've said in the past that it was the right time to actually um, for Craig Gordon to part company with Celtic. It's just that we didn't do our business properly and we ended up with the wrong goalie. But he's thirty-seven. No, he's not. He's thirty-nine. He's, he's thirty-nine. He's thirty-nine years of age. And he's got 72 caps, Colin. And you think, well, you know, goalkeepers, etc. He's lost a couple of years. Sometimes you can put that on the end of your, your kind of career at 39. How long can he remain number one? Can I mean, 72 Scotland, caps, yeah. I think he's he got another three or four years. You think? There's, there's no one coming through. What do you... What do you I mean, how many caps could you win in three or four years? I'm just thinking, is he possibly looking at 100 caps? Because, yeah. I mean, that record's been set by Kenny Dalgleish, right? 102. 102. When, when yeah. was that? That would have been back in the 80s that he got his kind of last caps, right? Because he didn't go to the World Cup in 86. Fell out with Alex Ferguson, didn't he? Yeah. Over the uh, fact that Fergie didn't want to select Alan Hansen, if you remember back. So Kenny Dalgleish is the player manager of Liverpool in 1986. They win the double. Alan Hansen's one of the best defenders in English football, and he doesn't get selected for the World Cup. 
So, you know, he said he pulled out the squad, but it was a big spat. But 102 caps at that point, and that was in 1986. And it's, you know, you you think, I'm not comparing Craig Gordon to Dalglish, um, but you never know. He might might hit that 100 cap. I think he could easily do it. I mean, you're talking with these Nations Leagues and the qualifiers and the playoffs. You could be playing something in the region of 11 to 15 games a a year for your country. It's the competitive nature of it, Colin, because in, in the friendlies, you might give somebody a game because it's mm-hmm. not a competitive game whereas with most of the games being competitive you're going to be playing your, your, your strongest goalie um, I'm going to bring up this point by Frank Brennan before I throw one over at uh, Amy Frank Brennan says when Fergus McCann saved our famous club back in 1994 almost 30 years since the takeover that's incredible he immediately spoke of building a 60,000 all-seater stadium and I thought that was 10,000 too many and he proved to be right and me completely wrong he was a visionary, was uh, Fergus, and there was a couple of really early interviews on a Celtic State of Mind that we did with uh, Tom Grant, um, ex-board member who remained at Celtic after Fergus took over, David Lowe, some guy called Jim Orr, never know <laughs> what, what happened to him, um, and Willie Wilson, and we spoke about the takeover and the amount of insight we got from those four individuals was quite incredible and uh, one of the things that stayed with me was Fergus obviously was inspired by a lot of the Canadian sports um, that he was a fan of at the time and a lot of the, the stadiums had built-in hotels within mm-hmm. the stadium whereby you could wake up Amy, open your curtains and you're in the stadium uh, kind of thing um, and that was a big plan that Fergus had, it didn't come to fruition, if you want to find out why then Listen to the old interviews. I'm going to come to you, Amy, um, around Scottish football's TV deal. The broadcasting deal has been getting a bit of airtime. You've got Aberdeen coming out, speaking against uh, some of the misinformation that's been peddled by Rangers. Celtic, I think, have remained silent, but they're going to be part of the crisis talks to try and get this deal over the line. It's a four-year deal worth quite a few million to Scottish football. Where are you, Stan? Are we... Underselling ourselves, do you think it's a, quite a good deal? I think there's a lot of holes in it. Um, I don't think it's been the most transparent conversation. Um, like Dave Cormack's comments yesterday are interesting. Um, obviously, that's just sheer opinion on his part, um, but he's got a right to be able to um, have an opinion. So, meant to be the beauty of our democracy. Um, <laughs> they are. Uh, I'm trying so hard to dance around this. I have my doubts over it. Um, and I'm a huge fan of promoting Scottish football in the best possible light. And that is all I want. Yeah, but I think the the figures can sometimes be misconstrued. And I think mm-hmm. that's what uh, Dave Cormack was saying yes, uh, yesterday, I think it was, that when you look at a game-by-game basis, Colin, I know that's something you keep an eye on as well, that maybe we're not underselling ourselves as much as they're just being a league table and saying, Sweden get this amount, Scotland gets this amount. It gives you the freedom to sell broadcasting rights to other companies such as Premier Sports, etc., etc. And maybe Dave Cormack doesn't understand the whole ins and outs of the TV deal as it stands, because as he says... What is it? He wants to put something like 80 games a season out there, um, including pay-per-views. But what happens to the other 168 games that's part of the league season? When we're talking about the Swedish and the, the Norwegian deals, every single game's covered that's put on, um, whether it be a sort of subscription pay-per-view service or it's shown on 
uh, live TV. Whereas, for example, if we go into this weekend, Celtic versus Motherwell, that game's not shown on TV, but that's part of your TV deal because Sky have decided that you can't show that game on TV. Yeah. That's part of the contract. So when you're talking about it being 260-odd thousand pounds per game, that's only what's actually allowed to be shown on television. If you break it down across it, it's a terrible deal for Scottish football. I think the, the TV deal, this rush to get ourselves into a new TV deal when we're only two years into a four-year contract already, makes no sense. I think, to be perfectly honest, Scottish football has massively undersold itself and I don't think that Sky it's is the part has in the past and it's why is it now just coming to fruition right now I think that's an interesting point as well yeah. what all of a sudden is someone just sort of like woke up and smelled, smelled the coffee that the best part of 20 years has been an absolute shambolic show on. and I, I wouldn't say that Sky is the best partners for Scottish football either I don't think Sky have put anywhere near the investment into Scottish football as they do for other things I mean you take a look at and um, the the level of interest that's been gathered now in the English Women's Premier League. They're showing the games on main event, they're putting the, the games as a sort of broadcasting thing on Sky Sports News, they're talking about it in depth, they're, they're, they're providing more pre-match and post-match coverage for that than what they are for Scottish football. Um, and look what happened, and uh, I think it was Saturday or Sunday, Arsenal were playing at the Emirates, 57,000 for a women's game. Yep. And that all comes because of the Sky PR machine. It's made the Premier League what it is. What's, what's the pricing they, like, Colin, for a game like that? What's I reckon it's... Like? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I would assume it's a lot cheaper than a, a men's game. I would I just say think, probably about 15, 20 quid. You look at last night as well, there's the, the Merseyside Derby. You know, that's a, a newly promoted Liverpool as well. Yes, it's the Merseyside Derby, but there's still a, a newly promoted side and the cops completely sold out. Um, cop looked stunning last night. Um, as elsewhere in, in Anfield, you know, I'm just focusing, focusing on the cop, but that's even a, a newly promoted side and mm. that's them on Sky Sports. Can you imagine Kilmarnock getting that sort of coverage, that sort of in-depth, you know, they only get that if Celtic or Rangers come into town as well um, and, it's and, and if they give us tickets <laughs> I think it's just it's appalling the way that Sky treats Scottish football I think BT treats Scottish football a hell of a lot better and they don't even have any rights to any of the games with the pundits that they use with the, the sort of coverage that they still give it at the weekends even when you look at um, what is their version of Soccer Saturday they, they spend a lot more time concentrating and promoting the Scottish game than what Sky do. You're lucky if Sky get the badge of the team that we're playing right. Sometimes <laughs> no, it tells you we're true. playing Dundee United and it's a Dundee badge it comes up. Yep, and absolutely. This is the thing is that we are so desperate to jump into this new TV deal with Sky despite all of these flaws. There is different ways about it whether it be other media partners, whether it be going on our own and launching a, a league service like the League of Ireland do where every game is put on pay-per-view and you're able to pay a subscription service once a year and you're able to sort of um, generate that revenue between the, the 12 teams. Looking at it, it's a pathetic deal that we've got in Scotland, to be perfectly honest. And I, I understand why Celtic are just voting for it because there doesn't seem to be much interest in actually making a change here. Yes, OK, I, um, I think it's Rangers and Livingston that have stood up against it. But you need a, this 11-1 kind of voting thing. 
And when you've got teams like Aberdeen and Hibs that are saying, yeah, 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 let's let's do this, let's go ahead, at the end of the day, it's, what, what, what difference is one vote going to make? Colin has some uh, really strong views on that, Amy. I didn't realise he was going to be all ranty on a Monday afternoon, but thanks for that, Colin. Mo comes in a symmetrical Celtic Park would have a capacity of 80,000. Can you imagine that? Especially if we had one of the lockout games again where it was all just Celtic fans. That would be incredible. There was talk earlier about uh, Celtic strengthening again in January. Amy, question for you. Do we require another centre-half? Sounds like a strange one considering... Uh, we've already done some business in bringing Carter Vickers in permanently as well as Maurice Jens. But I think what the St Mirren game showed us is that a couple of bad moves here or there in terms of injuries and you're playing a partnership that might not work and it could be one of the biggest games of the season. Do we need another centre-half? Not a panic buy. Um, only if Ange, if Ange Postacoglu thinks we need a centre-half, then we need a centre-half. Um, but I don't think on the basis of one game um, albeit not a great game, um, proves that as well. Um, you know, and I agree. Obviously, I don't think she made the whole scale changes that, that we did, but uh, still, a Celtic side that are more than capable of, you know, defeating St Mirren. That's no dis- disrespect to St Mirren. Um, so, if he thinks that we need one, then yes. But um, I wouldn't just be impulsively going right. We need a centre half. What's your thoughts, Colin? I said even before the window closed, I'd have signed another centre-half. Um, I, I said at the time we were only an injury or two away from being in the sort of position that we were there on um, a week on Sunday. Um, look, it's, it's a difficult one because in hindsight you can say, yeah, well, we'd, we could have been doing with it on Sunday. And then on the other hand, you could have been saying, well, the guy's just picking up a wage for sitting on the bench and maybe even not getting into the squad. But you'd rather have that strength and depth where you've got the ability to do so rather than say, right, well, come January, we need to get someone in. And between now and January, we've got to sort of pedal towards there. Um, I just, I'd rather have too many options than not enough options, especially when we're kind of competing on all four fronts this season. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think uh, I've asked the question, what did Angela learn from that particular result, from that performance? And it could well be that um, there may be the opportunity in January to bring in uh, certain players for positions and uh, Chris Sutton made the point that the uh, most important player at Celtic is Cameron Carter-Vickers and I don't think I would disagree with that. Uh, we've mentioned earlier on that we're up for a football content awards down in Manchester, 16th of November I think the awards are and um, we're up for best in video Natasha's up for best in women's football if you want to vote for us the link is underneath the video Um, also I didn't get the chance to ask you this Amy we are releasing a charity single for Christmas Mm -hmm. yes do you want to sing on it no I honestly I'm I'm worse than you like (laughs) it is horrendous I love to sing like I love it and I traumatise all my friends my family um and yeah, I'm a total belting out in the car, really, really singing. But oh, I'm, I'm horrendous. Like it's, I am so tone deaf. It's frightening. Would you recommend anyone? Brooke Cole. Yeah, I knew you were going to say Brooke. <laughs> um, yeah, we are going to be releasing a single uh, for Christmas to raise money for St Mary's, uh, and also we are going to go live at Gracie's in January. But all the tickets are sold out. If you want to go on a waiting list or maybe on the mailing list for. Uh, the next gig then just tick uh, tick 
click on the link underneath the video, uh, leave all your details, and I'll send you an email when the next gig is arranged. We're going to have to Nash. It's been an absolute pleasure once again. Monday afternoon, Axon Bullet, and thanks everybody for getting involved. Thank you, Colin and Amy, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. Not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.